We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a little bit about the fine folks at ExpressVPN who have helped us out dramatically in terms of running this channel. What do I mean by that? Well, if you've used the NFL's American Game Pass, you've probably found that there's limited access to all 22 and also no live access to games. That's actually very different from the International Game Pass plan, which has both full all 22 footage and full access to games. So I'm international going to school and Tyler and Steven are back in the United States still finagling with that game pass to try to get the footage that they need to do the breakdowns on the channel. So I said, well, what if I get Game Pass internationally, and then you guys can use a VPN? Uh, And after that discussion, ExpressVPN actually came and said, hey, we want to partner with you guys. So that's been awesome to deal with them. Uh, They have been great for the show and have helped us pump out these breakdowns that we know you guys have been watching on the channel. And of course, uh, when we talk about ExpressVPN, their uses go far outside of football. There's plenty of shows on Netflix in America that aren't available elsewhere and vice versa because, well, maybe that one's on HBO Max and maybe that one's on Hulu. So there's plenty of uses for ExpressVPN to get regionally based uh, exclusive internet content. And so we want to let you go to ExpressVPN and explore yourself. So that's why if you go to expressvpn.com guilty, again, that's expressvpn.com guilty, you can get a three-month free trial on us. So that's our promise to you, and we know that you're going to love ExpressVPN just as much as we have if you're football fanatics like us. So if you want to see that really pretty Justin Herbert pass that you saw live on CBS that week again, but you want to see it in that beautiful All-22 and plenty of different camera angles, you can again go to expressvpn.com guilty to start your three-month free trial today. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Stephen Hagland. I am your host. Joining me today for our Broncos preview, Broncos Intel, whatever you want to call it, is Mr. Zach Stevens, uh, Broncos beat reporter for DNVR and podcast host. Zach, we uh, chatted before this season. Happy to have you on today. Uh, and how are you doing, man? 
Oh, I'm I'm doing great. You know what? I'm doing better than the Broncos. Up until this past week, the Broncos were doing pretty good, especially for their standards the past couple of uh, of years. But that loss to the Raiders kind of uh, took any hope for the season away from them. Yeah, you know, I was surprised to hear last week when Justin Simmons had said after the Bengals loss that this was that that game was essentially do or die when they were they were technically still in it had they been able to beat the Raiders. But, um, you know, you have I feel like you have been pretty uh, positive throughout the season, you know, uh, heading into the Kansas City Chiefs game. You know, it was the battle for first place and the playoff hopes have, you know, been alive throughout uh, the late stretches of November and early December. Uh, So where are you at right now with kind of the state of the Broncos and their future and Vic Vangio as a head coach in particular? Yeah. I mean, everything with the Broncos is up in the air. And when I say everything, I mean even the ownership. Uh, So the state of the Broncos is in as flux as any organization in sports really can be because you have the ownership situation, which will be taken care of after this season. But of course, that's been in flux a decade now. You have ownership that's going to be changed. You also have a general manager. He's probably the guy with the safest job in Denver right now, George Payton. He's done a really good job this season outside of the quarterback position. He seems to be a guy that will keep his job after the new owner is here. Then your head coach is up in the air. All, All of your offensive staff and defensive staff is up in the air. And your quarterback is up in the air. So, I mean, the state of the Broncos is, uh, if you don't think those things are going to get resolved in a positive fashion, then the state of the Broncos is terrible. If you think that Peyton Manning is <laughs> going to come in and be part of an ownership group for the Broncos uh, and get the right quarterback for the future, okay, then the Broncos, uh, you know, they have some good pieces on their team right now. But right. the Broncos this season – it's pretty much status quo uh, as it's been the last five years, except the Broncos are a little better this year. You know, seven wins marks the most wins they've had since 2016. And they still have two more games, one against the Chargers to potentially make that the most wins they've had since 2016. But if you just miss the playoffs, that's about the worst position a team can be in, especially one that needs a quarterback like the Broncos. Yeah, and it really just puts them in a <clears throat> excuse me, in a, in a tough situation cuz I feel like Vic is a solid head coach, you know, at least, you know, defensively. I have always been a little jealous of how, you know, you guys don't have any linebackers and and then you trade for some linebackers and the defense is still a top unit. Uh, I was hoping Brandon State would kind of, you know, bring that same kind of results to the Chargers hasn't happened yet. Um but for whatever reason the offense just has not really shown any growth under Vic Vangio. So I guess my next question here is, do you move on from Vic Vangio like verbatim or is it you hire a different offensive coordinator and then you kind of see what you have in Vic Vangio with a new offensive coordinator and potentially a new quarterback next year? That's the question right now. That's the question everyone wants to know. But one thing that is certain is there will be a new offensive staff, at least a new offensive coordinator next year, because what the Broncos have done under Pat Shermer has been terrible Steven and so the Broncos <laughs> have to change that and what that that's kind of these next two weeks are huge for Vic because uh, of course yeah. in the NFL now the Broncos could have moved on from Vic Fangio yesterday and started their search for a new head coach the fact that they didn't 
at least is a step that George Payton is considering keeping Vic Fangio around. And look, George Payton really likes Vic Fangio, the person Vic Fangio, the football mind. He has to decide if that football mind is worth it to keep around as a head coach because, of course, Vic Fangio struggled. You know, it reminds me a lot of Anthony Lynn last year in mm-hmm. in game situations, game management, stuff that's not necessarily the X's and O's. He's really struggled, uh, and that has drove Broncos fans absolutely crazy this year. But his defense, it's the best in the league right now in terms of points per game, uh, yeah. a- elite And so George has to decide, uh, does he want to have his footprint on bringing in the next head coach or is he just okay with bringing, with having his footprint on the next offensive coordinator? And right now it it does seem like they're leaning on moving on from Vic, but I would not be surprised if they keep Vic for a fourth season because another reason why they may do that is with this new ownership that's going to come in, they may not want to to strap new owner who has no say on this head coach with a five-year contract for this new head coach. They may say, let's keep it status quo for one more year, and then we'll let this next owner Mm. do his thing. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously a lot up in the air for the Broncos, and I appreciate your thoughts there. I want to dive into this game. Uh, Obviously, the quarterback situation, you know, we talked about it before the season started. You know, the quarterback competition, and then, of course, they chose Teddy. Now it's Drew Locke because – uh, you know, Teddy Bridgewater is hurt. First of all, can you update our listeners on uh, Teddy's health status and kind of what you, know, you kind of hinted at it, but what the offense has been like with Drew Locke in place of Teddy Bridgewater last few weeks? Yeah, Teddy Teddy is still in the concussion protocol, and for a second straight week, that is not a good sign. And this is Teddy's second concussion of the season. With the Broncos, you know, having a, a playoff chances of 0.1%, it's not worth rushing Teddy Bridgewater back right yeah. now. And Vic Fangio has said time and time again over these past 10 days that they're going to do right by Teddy Bridgewater's health and not rush him back. So I imagine it's going to be Drew Locke, not just this week, but also in week 18 when the Broncos play the Chiefs. And Drew Locke, he has been kind of what you expect. There have been some good throws that he's had. And this past week, when he st- when he got his first full start this year, he it's actually the best he's played this, this entire season. He didn't have yeah. any touchdowns. He didn't have any interceptions, which is key. He did not turn the ball over. And he managed the game. And that's something that Drew Locke has not been able to do. He either is, you know, throwing dimes and making fourth quarter comebacks against teams like the Chargers, as yeah. the Chargers know last year, or he's throwing interceptions exceptions, uh, having strip sacks, throwing it into a sea of defenders. And that is, has been more of Drew Locke than the fourth quarter comebacks. But this week he was a game manager. And that was something that, that, that the Broncos need for the most part, but he wasn't able to take the game over. And the Broncos rushing attack was so bad against the Raiders that it just amounted to an abysmal offensive performance. The Broncos had 158 total offensive yards. They had eight first downs, which is the fewest they've had uh, when they've had a quarterback starting at that position since 1992. They were one of 10 on third downs. It was just absolutely brutal. And so Drew Locke was the center of that. So that game was the best that he's done, but it's not like it was it was record-breaking or, or an incredible performance by him. The other three times that he's been on the field this year uh, in, in a relief performance when Teddy's got hurt mid-game, Drew has been that Drew Locke of, of turning the ball over, making terrible decisions, and, and that is 
why I'm not ready to say Drew has turned a corner and, and the, the Chargers are going to see a great Drew Locke this week. Well, it's tough to say he's turned a corner after, you know, seeing an offense put up 158 yards in an NFL game. So, I mean, great that he didn't turn the ball over, but, you know, there's got to be, like we said before the season, there's got to be some balance between gunslinger Drew Locke and game manager Teddy Bridgewater in this case, leading up to this game. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And uh, with Drew Locke not having any turnovers this past week, it points the, the fact that it's probably he's probably going to have one or two this week. And now, of course, <laughs> Drew Locke also last year not only led that fourth quarter comeback, but then probably played well enough to beat the Chargers in L.A. at the end mm-hmm. of the season last year. Of course, that was Jerry Judy's five-drop performance, just right. a historically right. bad performance. Good news is Jerry Judy only has one drop on the season so far. Bad news is it happened when Drew Locke threw him the ball this past week. So <laughs> we'll see if those two can get on a better page. But, I mean, Steve, in this, the Broncos' defense has been stepping up it, 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 for the most part this season, the Broncos offense has really, really been, been fluttering and it's been the quarterback. It's been the receivers. uh, And really the person getting all the blame is Pat Shermer. Yeah. I mean, rightfully so we'll see what happens this week. The chargers frankly could be trotting out the, the cast of the replacements in the secondary this week with all the COVID issues and things like that. You know, Derwin's been hurt and obviously Derwin James had that interception, Andrew Locke earlier in the first game. So we'll we'll have to see kind of how that one pay, plays out. But uh, I want to talk about this defense because, man, it is a ferocious, you know, front seven. Even after, you know, trading Vaughn Miller and after all these linebackers, Josie Jewell gets hurt. So is it as simple as guys stepping up? Or, or what's kind of been, you know, the driving force behind the Broncos front, the success of the Broncos front seven, uh, you know, over the last six, eight weeks or so? Yeah, it's really, it's two two things in my mind. The first is Vic Fangio and what he's been able to do with that linebacking core. You said it, the Broncos have lost their starting inside linebackers, Alexander Johnson and Josie Jewell early in the season. Both of those guys went down, so they had to turn to their backups. Well, then those guys went down. Then they had to turn to their third string guys. Those guys went down. They're on their eighth inside (laughs) linebacker right now. Literally fourth (laughs) string guys, guys that didn't even start the season on the Broncos practice squad. That's who they're working with. And a guy named Jonas Griffith has come in the past couple games and has absolutely balled. I mean, he's been really, really good. And so it's a little bit credit to George Payton, the Broncos general manager, for identifying this talent. But then you have to give credit to Vic Fangio. And Vic Fangio, one of the best inside linebacker coaches of all time. And apparently he's really good because it's been working (laughs) for the Broncos. Whoever they've had at inside linebacker has played pretty darn well this season, including a guy named Jonas Griffith right now. So I start with giving a ton of credit to Vic Fangio for not only helping the inside linebackers, but really when the Broncos have had holes, he's been able to plug it with not not household name guys, even in Denver. And then the second reason the front seven has been able to play so well is this secondary this secondary got torched the first five weeks of the season since they have really stepped up and it's been led by Patrick Sertan the rookie Mm -hmm. has been the dominant shutdown corner that the Broncos hoped he would be when they picked him above Justin Fields, above Mac Jones. And then you also have Justin Simmons, who probably should have been a pro bowler this year. I I do believe Uh, he and Patrick Sertan, probably the only pro bowl true snubs on the Broncos this year. Uh, Kareem Jackson is also really good. And then 
guys that were getting burned earlier in the season. Ronald Barbies, Kyle Fuller's, those guys have looked really good as well. So the Broncos secondary has really come together. And we saw it this past week. Uh, Derek Carr, he's like to take shots. He's put up many 400-yard games this season. He was throwing it behind the line of scrimmage seemingly more than past the line of scrimmage this week because he would look after taking the snap. Everything was covered. He'd dump it off to a running back. They'd pick up four yards. And it, that game was just death by paper cut. But also, the Raiders didn't have to do anything. They didn't have to force the ball because they knew the Broncos' offense wasn't <laughs> going to do anything. Right. And so that that's something that Justin Herbert, I know he's a gunslinger and, and wants to toss the ball, but the, the Chargers, like they have for some of this season, may just hold him back and say, Look, we're going to win this game 20 to, to 13, and it's not going to look good for the numbers, but we're going to be able to get the job done that way. And we're not going to have to risk it by throwing it to Patrick Sertan because the last time Justin Herbert tried to do that, obviously turned into two interceptions. Yeah, you know, that's that's going to be an interesting one uh, to keep an eye on because the game, the Chargers have recently found success with their running game, even without Austin Eckler, who should be back in this matchup. So, um, that is going to be, you know, Matt Filer didn't play in the first game. You know, Justin Jackson wasn't healthy in the first game. So it's going to be interesting to see the adjustments that Joe Lombardi and the offense make. And uh, for the record, I do agree that Justin Simmons was snubbed. You know, he, I think, is one of the best safeties in the league. I think he's underrated. Uh, unfortunately, one of my favorite non-chargers to watch. Just love the way that he attacks things. And he's been a, a fantastic player for the last few years there in Denver. So I do agree there for sure. Yeah, and and he, the Broncos for the first time since 1980 didn't have a single pro wow. bowler and they were the only team or they, they were one of six teams that did not have a pro bowler this year. All the teams have four fewer losses. So Broncos and, and I don't mean to be a homer here, but the Broncos shouldn't have had five pro bowlers. They probably should have had just one or two with with those guys in the secondary leading the way. Yeah, no, I'm on the same page there and uh, you know, you mentioned Patrick Sertan, obviously of Baron Browning making a strong impact. I thought he was incredible in the first matchup um, and really kind of speaks to this rookie class that, you know, George Payton had in his first you know year as as Broncos general manager outside of Browning and Sertan. Uh, I guess Javante Williams too. you know, kind of adds to that, of course. But um, update us on some of the younger players that are getting time for the Broncos outside of kind of those big three right there. Yeah, and and those those were the the Broncos' first three picks, so you expect a lot out of them. But then the Broncos' final pick in the draft, uh, a seventh rounder named Jonathan Cooper, a rookie this year from Ohio State. He's been an absolute baller. The Broncos have had to turn to him after trading Von Miller, after Bradley Chubb got injured, after their their backup outside linebacker, who's now a starter, Malik Reed, got injured. They've had to turn to Jonathan Cooper, and he at times has been their best pass rusher. He is just a beast. He can probably probably start on many teams in the NFL already as a rookie. So the Broncos absolutely nailed it with him. Broncos have a, a safety. Now he's a backup safety because they have Kareem Jackson and Justin Simmons playing ahead of him, but a guy named Caden Stearns who's playing really, really well. And he projects to take over as a starter next year. It's expected that the Broncos won't re-sign Kareem Jackson because of how good Caden Stearns is playing. And then there's one other guy you may know from the draft process. His name is Quinn Minerts and he's yeah. a guard for the Broncos just just took over a couple of weeks ago as the full-time starter. And this guy came from division three 
Wisconsin Whitewater. They didn't play football last year. So in order for him to show the NFL what he can do, he started making his own tapes of him like plowing over dead trees up there and <laughs> in, in, at his family's farm in Canada and snapping balls to trash cans to show his accuracy, snapping the ball. And it was all kind of goofy. He's a guy that lets his belly hang out. And, and so he's, <laughs> he's kind of known for his belly, but he's actually playing really good football. And you know yeah. what? Outside of this Raiders game, the Broncos have been running the ball exceptionally well since the bye week and, and since the Broncos' first matchup against the, the Chargers when they ran the ball well. Before last week, they're rushing for over 160 yards per game since the bye. And then last week, it all exploded. I mean, Melvin Gordon, seven carries for minus four yards against the Raiders. Javante Williams and Melvin, I believe, combined 14 carries for eight yards drew lock had two long runs for the Broncos on the day which i believe was five and six yards i would fully expect the chargers to just take the exact same game plan that the raiders did and say we are going to do everything to shut down your run game and if drew lock congratulations to drew he beat us but as the raiders found out last week Drew Locke didn't beat them. I mean, he, even though he threw 15 of 22, uh, didn't have an abysmal passer rating, uh, didn't have any turnovers, he was nowhere close to beating them. The Chargers should absolutely take that approach because the Raiders' defense is not good, and they were still able to completely shut down the Broncos' rushing attack. Well, I am uh, definitely not expecting, you know, combined eight yards this week from Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon. You know, the Chargers should get some uh, reinforcements from the COVID list. But, you know, Brandon Staley said after that game, you know, we did a lot of eight-man fronts. We just didn't have the energy. We didn't have the, you know, aggression and attitude that you need. And it's like, well, that was against Rex Burkhead and an awful Texans team. Now you're facing the Broncos offensive line, which is really good, I think, and two really, really good running backs. So I'm definitely expecting the Broncos rushing attack at least to get back on track this week. Yeah, and it's going to have to, regardless of who the quarterback is, but especially because it's Drew. And how I transitioned to that in the last question, I forgot to tie it all together, was this this Broncos offensive line has been has been okay this season. I mean, really hit or miss. But against the pass and pass protection, they've struggled, specifically the interior of the offensive line with a lot of rotation they've had, a lot of young guys coming in, Quinn Miners being one of them. But in terms of a run offensive line, Again, besides this past week against the Raiders, they have been dominant. And Quinn Miners is a guy who who is already an above-average run blocker in the NFL. Pass blocking still can use some work. Uh, the Broncos were without their starting center this past week due to COVID. With the new COVID protocols, seemingly like the NFL is going to change in the middle of this week. It seems like they could probably have him back, which would be huge. But the Broncos, without a doubt, are going to have to run the ball and have to run it a ton to have any success, regardless of who the quarterback is but especially if it's Drew. No, yeah, I'm absolutely on the same page there. So, uh, you know, we'll get you out of here on this and just kind of your general. Of course, it's tough to, you know, project what's going to happen in these situations, right? The team doesn't have a ton uh, to play for. Just kind of your general thoughts of what you expect in terms of, you know, will they show up? Will they be competitive? You know, what, what are you expecting from the Broncos over the over these last two weeks? 
Yeah, I expect the defense to show up and be very competitive. I would be naive to say that the offense is going to show up because it hasn't shown up the past few weeks when the Broncos have desperately needed it. Uh, But I expect this defense, Vic Fangio always has these guys ready to go. Uh, And this defense wants to finish the season as the best defense in the NFL. Right now, they're tied with the Patriots for allowing only 17 points per game, which is the best in the NFL. They're going to want to put their stamp on that. And the way Vic Fangio proves to George Payton that he needs to be back next year uh, is by shutting down Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes because he needs to show George Payton, look, I've given the offense to Pat Shermer, and Pat Shermer has failed us. Keep me as the defensive guy. You're going to have to keep me as a head coach too, and I'm going to make this defense dominant in the AFC West, be able to contain Derek Carr, Justin Herbert, and Patrick Mahomes, and then we'll upgrade our offense, and then we'll truly be able to compete in this division. If the Broncos come out and Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes just have their way with this defense, it's going to be really hard to go out. The Broncos, I think, then would finish the season 4-10 and 10 after starting 3-0 and 0 if they lose these next two games. If they get torched, Vic's not going to have the defense to really hang his hat on. Uh, and it's also going to show that the players weren't really playing for Vic. So these final two games are huge for Vic Fangio. No one bigger than, than these final two games for Vic Fangio. And that's going to, to go a very long way in what this team looks like a year from now. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, this has been uh, great stuff from, again, Zach Stevens from DNVR. What do you guys have uh, going this week and where can uh, our listeners find you guys if they want some good Broncos intel ahead of this matchup? You know, unfortunately, if we're starting to look at the draft, see who's in play for the Broncos, actually looking at head coaching uh, candidates, also how the Broncos land one of these top quarterbacks, because Despite what the Broncos have tried to do these past five years, I don't think defense is what wins in the NFL anymore. Maybe it can win you a couple of games, but you need the quarterback. And there's going to be a few big names out there. How can the Broncos land Russell Wilson? How can the Broncos land Aaron Rodgers? Are those possibilities? Because, man, what a division it would be if it's Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, or uh, Russell Wilson along with Derek Carr. Man, that would be something. It really would be something, you know, and, and the wild, 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 wild west would continue to be wild for sure. Uh, Zach Stevens, this has been great, man. Really appreciate your time. Chargers fans, be sure to check him out. Of course, you know, you want to hear about how the Broncos could uh, potentially get Aaron Rodgers. That would obviously be a huge uh, storyline of the offseason. So, Zach, thanks again for taking the time to join us. We really appreciate it. Right on. Thanks for having me on. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.